and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Oh, we're about to drop a bomb on you, Suns fans. Steve Zinsmeister with you. Mitch is out today. So I was planning on just riding solo, and I had a bunch of stuff planned, and the Phoenix Suns might have just thrown a big wrench into all of my plans. A tweet from Sham Sharania. You and I are going to react to this together right now because I just read this moments ago. Biggest story of the day. Sham Sharania says, developing. Washington is in serious talks with two finalists, Miami and Phoenix, on a Bradley Beal trade. Sources tell The Athletic and Stadium. The Suns have emerged as a serious threat for Beal, who holds a no trade clause. Wow. Uh, that kind of, I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but kind of came out of nowhere. So let's break this down. Uh, this is just general reaction in the moment. Wow. Bradley Beal is obviously a high-level player. Uh, that would be a heck of a threesome on the team to have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and Bradley Beal. That, that spells buckets. Uh, here's a couple of my immediate thoughts. What are the Wizards asking for? What are you giving up that the Wizards are interested in? I mean, you don't really have tradable first-round picks until, I think, 2029, thanks to the Kevin Durant trade, so that seems to be out the window. Obviously, there's DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul. They're the topic of discussion for literally everything I was planning today was about those two guys, and I suppose this works its way in there. Uh, Are the Wizards interested in a 38-year-old Chris Paul and a DeAndre Ayton who's... uh, I don't want to call him a bust. He's not a bust, certainly, but he's he's certainly not been worth the number one pick in that draft at this point. Um, are they interested in a combination of those two guys? Some sort of is there a three team trade that works out here where somebody else gets Chris Paul and offers assets to Washington, or somebody else gets Aiton and offers assets to Washington? I don't know how this works. I can't. It, the way it reads in the tweet, and I'll read it again here in a second. It does not read as there is a three team trade happening. There is. It says Washington is in serious talks with two finalists, Miami and Phoenix, on a Bradley Beal trade. Now, we had heard about Miami's interest in Bradley Beal, and it makes all the sense in the world. I mean, he could fit really nicely with Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, some combination of there if if they wanted to move off of somebody. Um, Miami makes sense to me. Um, Phoenix was not necessarily a place that made a lot of sense because you don't have a lot of movable pieces. Key among them draft picks, as I mentioned earlier. I don't know. I mean, that's a really big salary to take on. Bradley Beal. There's, I don't know what way you could bring him in and maintain a Chris Paul or a DeAndre Ayton at $30 million for Ayton. Chris Paul, let's be honest, he's not getting kept at $30 million. He's not keeping that. They're going to waive him at some point. I believe that original Chris Haynes report where he said he's been informed he's going to get waived. It's not necessarily that that's true. I, I just expect him to be waived uh, because they're either going to pay him $15 million and try to bring him back cheaper or They'll wave and stretch and hopefully create a bunch of space, which might be a part of the equation if you're trying to make a deal for Bradley Beal, but you don't have a lot else to give up. I mean, you have Landry Shamit's contract. You have campaign, I believe, on a relatively cheap deal. I mean, there's not a lot that you could straight up give up for Bradley Beal. The Wizards would have to be interested in DeAndre Ayton or, on some level, Chris Paul. And if you're losing Bradley Beal, who is a shooting guard, I would say. He's more of a two. He's definitely not a one, in my opinion. 
uh, but he's also not really a three wing. And how does that work with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant? Now, I understand Kevin Durant is more of a three slash four at this point in his career than he is a three. And some at some points in his career, he looked like he was practically a seven foot shooting guard. Um, and on for all intents and purposes, he could be. But that would be a very interesting mix of players to have three superstar players and none of them be a true point guard or a true center. That's an interesting way to build a team to go with three essentially wing players who are at that level offensively. I've never been a bit big Bradley Beal guy. I, I He's 33 years old. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm reading the end of his contract. Next year, he's going to be 30 years old. So he's not like a super old player, but he's $46 million. $46.7 million next year. That's like 35% of the cap at this point. So how you work him in... You'd have to clear a lot of room to make that happen. And then, I haven't done the math yet, because you and I are just reacting live in the moment right now. But I'm assuming that if you add his number, Devin Booker's number, and Kevin Durant's number together, that doesn't leave a lot of space to do the rest of the things that you need to do. Because what was the knock on the Phoenix Suns this season, especially during the playoffs? They don't have any depth. You had, when DeAndre Ayton faltered, you had to turn to Jock Landale. I like Jock Landale. He's a good effort guy, but his skill set's not nowhere near what DeAndre Ayton's is. Bismack Biombo, same kind of thing. I like him as an energy player, and I like his defense, and you'd send him out there for a hard foul every now and then, but that's not a guy who I want to be my starting center. They're going to have to go and find some space to give out to a bunch of different players to try to build a team around Booker and Durant. Is this the way to do it? By trading for Bradley Beal? Uh, again, I, I want to continue to go back to this point. Bradley Beal is an excellent basketball player. He's a very good offensive player. I haven't looked at the defensive metrics on him, admittedly. I don't watch a ton of Washington Wizards basketball, but I know a lot about Bradley Beal. This is a guy who's got a long-term contract because next season, which is the 23-24 season, he's making $46.7 million. That's 35% of the cap. Then in the next season, he will go up to 50. Then he'll go up to 53 and a half. And then he has a player option in 2026, 2027 for $57 million. Now, I'm not looking at a list of the most expensive players in basketball, but I'm only going to assume that Bradley Beal is pretty high on that list. Good player. Would be very interesting to see what he's got next to a Devin Booker and a Kevin Durant, but can you really fit that guy? And if you do, even if you find a way to trade for him, even if Washington loves a, a package of DeAndre Ayton and Landry Shamit and uh, Chris Paul, maybe you send everybody. I don't know what that looks like. Let's say the Wizards are, are game for that because they just don't want to. They just don't want to do this Bradley Beal experiment anymore, and they want to get something. Even if you do all of that, what space do you have left to make moves? Does Bradley Beal fix the issues with the Phoenix Suns? I don't know that he does. I feel pretty confident that they can get buckets already. That's kind of what Devin Booker and Kevin Dur- uh, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant are all about. I wasn't worried about offense. Ah, man, because that doesn't solve your point guard of the future issue. If you were to move off of Chris Paul, it doesn't solve your your center problem at all. It might make it even worse if you're giving away a center. Man, just my initial reaction, and again, I'm going to read this tweet again from Sham Sharani in case you're just joining us. Developing, Washington is in serious talks with two finalists, Miami, makes sense, and Phoenix 
on a Bradley Beal trade. The Suns, he specifically points out the Suns at the end of this tweet. Let that not go overlooked. The Suns have emerged as a serious threat for Beal, who holds a no-trade clause. Now, I can imagine that he would waive that no-trade clause to go to Phoenix. I mean, I'd rather play for the Phoenix Suns and with Booker and Durant any day. I'd rather do that than, than play in Washington and just wither away at this point in my career. Making a lot of money, granted, but he's going to make that money no matter where he goes. So you'd rather be on a competitive team? No, duh. But he specifically says the Suns have emerged as a serious threat. Wow. I just don't know what that looks like. What are you giving up? What do the Wizards want? Do they want a combination of Aiton and Paul? Gosh, that's so bizarre at this point. Um, Anyway, we're going to keep our eyes on that. That's instantly the biggest story of the day. I mean, it's a lot of money to add. It's one really great player. You'd have one of the best big threes in the NBA. There's no doubt about that. I thought they already had one of the best big threes in the league if you included Aiton or Paul as the third guy. But to add a guy like Bradley Beal, yeah, that would certainly be a massive shakeup in the offseason around the league. This would have ramifications everywhere. I mean, we've heard rumors about Bradley Beal being a fit for Boston and uh, Miami, certainly, and this in this tweet makes sense to me. But the fact that he mentioned Shams mentions Phoenix twice and Miami only once in this tweet, I don't know if there's anything to glean off of that, but... That tells me that the Suns have made a significant offer or are showing significant interest at the least in bringing in Bradley Beal. What an interesting plan that is because I don't know that that solves the problems that the Suns faced in the postseason. I really don't. Uh, Earlier this week, uh, Cam Cox, credit to Cam Cox over at 12 News. He's been getting tons of really good interviews lately. Cam Cox got an interview, a sit-down with Chris Paul at a time that's very crucial because Chris Paul, a lot of stuff is in the air. We talked about that. Do you bring him back on $30 million? Do you cut him for 15 and try to re-sign him on the cheap? Uh, or do you stretch and wave and basically say goodbye to Chris Paul and let somebody else pick him up on the cheap? There's a lot of options there, some better than others. And Cam Cox, to his credit, just straight up asking Chris Paul, do you, do you want to be here right now? Do you want to be here long term? Is this the place, like... You would like to continue being with a new new head coach? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't want to be anywhere else. That was never the case. You never heard me come out and say, I don't want to be there. You know what I mean? But I understand the business of this league, the dynamics or whatnot. So um, we'll, we'll see. What I will say is I'm, I'm so appreciative to uh, the Phoenix community, right? Everyone in the way everyone's been with me and my family. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. It sounds like nobody from the Suns has confirmed to Chris Paul, this is what we plan to do. And I get that on some level, especially with how the DeAndre Ayton situation was handled in his free agency, his restricted free agency, where I felt like all along the Suns were just backed into a corner. They didn't want to pay the full max for a DeAndre Ayton type player, but somebody else made the offer. Indiana made the offer. And they had to sign that or else lose him for nothing and probably be criticized for that. And we could talk all day long about whether or not that's worked out to this point. But uh, when it comes to Chris Paul, I think they have so many different types of options. And I, I don't think they're going to pay him $30 million to come back. That doesn't make any sense to me, especially if they're trying to make big moves like these for Bradley Beal. But is there a scenario where they trade that $30 million and let another team make the decision on whether or not they're going to let Chris Paul play for 30 or cut him, save the $15 million, wave and stretch him, do that for themselves to create cap space? That's certainly something that the Wizards might be looking at as an option here. 
if they are, in fact, looking to trade Bradley Beal and create some room and, uh, I don't know, build around Kyle Kuzma. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what Washington's plan is at this point. But there's a uh, credit to Cam Cox again for asking the question and, and getting uh, Chris Paul on the record to saying he wants to be a Phoenix Sun. So why, if he wants to be a son and they seem to be showing interest in bringing him back at the right price, it's a natural question to say, well, why haven't they worked anything out? By the way, uh, before I hit the break, I will hit this really quickly. It was reported yesterday that uh, who else is interested in Chris Paul but the Los Angeles Lakers? Could you imagine? Could you imagine? I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak directly to my producer, Trevor Henry, here. Could you imagine a worse scenario? For how this goes down with Chris Paul, then you the team waves and stretches him, which is good for the Suns financially. You wave and stretch Chris Paul, and then the Lakers, of all teams, sign Chris Paul to the veterans minimum, very little money, and he goes there. He doesn't even have to be the starting point guard in L.A. because they already have D'Angelo Russell, and if they figure out that situation... They can play him very sparingly and keep him healthy for the playoffs. Chris Paul goes to L.A., wins a ring with LeBron James. The Lakers always linger around certain things, and it's annoying. And it's also kind of funny, too, in context of, like, they tried to trade for him. What was that, like 10 years ago? Yeah, about least. 10 years ago. That was that, like that, A little over 10 years ago. That was like that Paul Gasol situation, wasn't it? Right, and the league basically shut that trade down. Yeah. And here we are a decade later, and they're still interested. I mean, obviously, it's a different regime, and there's much different players. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Kobe's gone, and that, that that all plays into it. But Chris Paul, uh, interest from the Lakers. Yeah, no thanks <laughs> from a Suns fan here. Uh, that would be the worst-case scenario, is you let Chris Paul go for essentially nothing, and he wins a title, not with you, but with the L.A. Lakers. And it just makes shake the Lakers even more, right? Yeah, makes me hate them a lot more, actually. So the big breaking news, and we're going to come back and talk more about this next on Arizona Sports Saturday, is Sham Sharania tweeting, it looks like Phoenix is a finalist. The Suns are a finalist for the Bradley Beal sweepstakes. More on that in a moment. It's Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, Sham Sharani had dropped a bomb on us right before the show started. 25 minutes ago, tweeting about the Phoenix Suns. Boy, is this one a doozy, too, by the way. Developing. Washington is in serious talks with two finalists, Miami and Phoenix, on a Bradley Beal trade. The Suns have emerged as a serious threat for Beal, who holds a no-trade clause. So my immediate reaction was, wow, that's a that's a heck of a, a three-pronged star team. Bradley Beal, David, uh, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant. That's huge. But there's a lot of questions I have, too. I mean, that's a huge salary Bradley Beal carries. 50, sorry, $46.7 million this year. 50 the next, 53 and a half the next, and then a player option for 57. Who knows if he even, uh, he might just take that depending on the player he is at 33 years old, or he might be able to get more on in free agency. Who knows at that point? Um, that's a lot of money. And I thought this offseason for the Suns was going to be about creating space and finding a way to add depth to the team. But if this is the strategy for the Suns to go after a star player, a third star player to pair next to Booker and Durant, that's a totally different strategy. And one that I hadn't considered as as likely as just trying to find ways to clear out Chris Paul, 
to somebody who looking for, looking for cap space and in return get some quality depth pieces. Move DeAndre Ayton to somebody who's looking for a uh, starting center, young guy who maybe they can bust him open to his full potential. I thought that those were going to be the types of moves we were talking about. Now we're talking about something totally different. This is a whole different puzzle, and it has a lot less pieces. <laughs> the only the only pieces are three dudes, Booker, Durant, Beal. The rest will figure itself out. But then I start to lean back on what we just saw in the playoffs. Can you really rely on so few guys to carry you like that? Not many teams have done it. The immediate one that will come to everybody's mind is the Miami Heat in 2010 when LeBron and Chris Bosh go to Miami and D-Wade signs back and they filled the roster with a bunch of, you know, some dudes. Mario Chalmers, uh, Norris Cole. Remember Norris Cole? Uh, You know, that team was not stacked beyond those three. Eventually they add guys like Mike Miller, Ray Allen certainly played a big role, and they had some other decent players. But is this the right strategy for the Suns if they were to go and get Bradley Beal? Now, the other thing that we were talking about earlier is what what's in it for the Wizards? Why would the Wizards want to do a deal with the Suns who don't have any draft picks that are tradable through, I think, 2027 or 29, something like that, because of what they did to get Kevin Durant? They broke the bank for Durant, and I don't think they regret doing that. But since you've already done that, you might as well continue to break the bank to try to capitalize on the window that you have with Durant. That appears to be what this is. So what's in it for the Wizards? This is what I can come up with. I, this is not me reporting. This is simply what makes sense in my mind. You trade them Chris Paul, maybe even DeAndre Ayton. I don't know how all the contracts work out, the math. We're going to have to look into that. But you give them Chris Paul, and they waive Chris Paul and stretch his contract, and the Wizards, bada-bing, bada-boom, they have moved off of $47 million Bradley Beal, and they've moved off of Chris Paul for minimal cal- uh, sap- salary cap hit. That's the best argument I can come up with, that they're just looking to move on from Beal and, in theory, move on from Chris Paul's contract, creating a bunch of room. Now they can go out and do a lot of different things, and if they want to do a true rebuild, maybe that's the best way to do it. That's the best argument I can come up with right now for why are the Washington Wizards interested in doing this deal. That's the best I can come up with. Does it include DeAndre Ayton in that mix, too? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I don't think that there's an obvious answer to that question. Would this package involve both Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. He's certainly the player you'd be more interested in if you're the Wizards because you can, on some level, you can build around DeAndre Ayton if he's not your best player. I don't think I would build around him as my best or maybe even second best player. So the Washington Wizards might be interested in adding him, but that's a $30 million guy who I don't know if he plays like a $30 million guy. So that's probably less enticing. I think the most enticing piece of this trade for the Wizards would be moving off of Chris Paul's contract and creating space. And moving off of Bradley Beal's contract certainly helps too. And now the Wizards have a full opportunity to go and do whatever it is they want to do. Whether I don't know if there's free agents out there that want to sign with the Wizards, especially if they're losing Bradley Beal. That doesn't make sense. But they can go and, and I don't know, build their team the way they want to build it for the future. One interesting aspect of this we haven't touched on yet is it is kind of nice to have other star players around the NBA who want to come to the Suns. Because, like, I get, in this tweet, it mentions Miami and Phoenix as finalists for Bradley Beal. I get why anybody would want to go to Miami. That's been a hot destination in the NBA for a long time, before LeBron even went there. I mean, people want to play in Miami. It's an amazing city. The weather and all these things and... 
uh, it's a great organization, the heat culture they talk about. I mean, I, I totally get why people want to go there. Pat Riley, Eric Spolster is one of the best coaches in the league. Miami makes sense. Why Phoenix? Well, because things have been turned around. It makes you feel really good, doesn't it, that that Monty Williams came in, changed the culture from a coach's standpoint. Chris Paul gets traded to Phoenix and certainly also helps that culture build, but also the team is no, no longer irrelevant. They've been grabbed from the bottom of the abyss of the NBA and dragged back up to sea level. And now, all of a sudden, people want to come to Phoenix, which is great. And I know uh, some of you are probably like, Steve, Who, of course they want to come play with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Who wouldn't want to do that? And I get that. But it's hard, man, when you're a star player like this and your contract is so absorbent. Like, it's so big. $47 million next season for Bradley Beal, and it only goes up from there. Over the next couple of years. That's hard to work into a salary cap situation. And I don't know if they even were to make this trade. I don't know how the Suns fill out the rest of the roster. And maybe some of you are thinking, it doesn't really matter. If you have Beal, Booker, and Durant, you figure it out. And on some level, you're probably right. But we just witnessed the playoff run where relying on so few people didn't work. Now, they didn't have a third player as good as Bradley Beal. Chris Paul's a good third player. DeAndre Ayton, even at times, is a fine third player on this team. But, I mean, this is a whole different strategy to the offseason than what I thought they were going to be doing. Let's talk uh, about—we talked about Chris Paul's market last segment a little bit. Let's kind of weave the DeAndre Ayton conversation in here. Um, This was Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN yesterday on Ryan Russillo's podcast, specifically on— the market for DeAndre Ayton. I think the hard part for Phoenix is right now with DeAndre Ayton's market is lean and they have to be prepared that they're going to have DeAndre Ayton back. That's an interesting way of putting it, that you have to be prepared to have DeAndre Ayton. And I think that's almost kind of the way I would have worded it two summers ago when they had to do the deal with DeAndre Ayton uh, to pay him the max deal, where you kind of just have to be prepared for Ayton to be back. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that that was necessarily the biggest move. The first move they were looking to make was sign him to a max deal. We all know that wasn't what they wanted to do. But they had to be prepared that somebody else was going to make that offer and they would have to match it. So it's kind of the same situation here with a trade where, yeah, we might want to trade DeAndre and We might want to get something back, whether it's role players or a couple of role players. Or in this case, maybe you offload him for a bigger star like a Bradley Beal. Somehow he works his way into that trade. But that word that Woj used, the market is lean. It's not what you want to hear if you're the Suns. You'd like to have your options open to you. I heard Gambo make this point yesterday. Burns and Gambo were talking about it. Um, Maybe all that means is that DeAndre Ayton is just not a lot of teams' first choice in the offseason. He's not the guy they're going after. But he might be the second guy or the third guy or somewhere in that equation where if we don't get our guy, then we turn to DeAndre Ayton. And I I know there's a lot of rumors. Yesterday there was one that the Spurs might be looking for a starting center so that they don't have to play Victor Wembanyama uh, and basically like have him take the brunt of the force from all the centers around the league, the Jokic's, the Embiid's, uh, plenty of other guys as well. That makes some sense to me from a like a body standpoint. Wembenyama is still so young. He's going to develop into that body and, and fill it out a little bit better in the future, I think. Most guys do. So is this are the Spurs a team that are interested in DeAndre Ayton? What would they want in you know what would they want? What would they give up? What would the Suns want from the Spurs? I don't know. It's not a very good team. 
Um, so it's interesting to see Woj say that the market for Aiton is lean. And in context of this big tweet from Sham Sharania saying that the Suns are a finalist for Bradley Beal along with Miami. And then the key part of the tweet, the Suns have emerged as a serious threat. He specifically mentions the Suns twice. What does that mean? Does that mean the Suns are more likely to land Bradley Beal than Miami? Let's dive into that a little bit more next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Bereldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hey, how do you feel about Bradley Beal as a Phoenix Sun? Steve Zinsmeister with you on Arizona Sports Saturday. We had a big tweet dropped on us just minutes before the show started. Sham Sharania at The Athletic reporting... Developing Washington is in serious talks with two finalists, Miami and Phoenix, on a Bradley Beal trade. The Suns have emerged as a serious threat for Beal, who holds a no trade clause. That's an important nugget, too, that we haven't touched on too much is Bradley Beal obviously would have control over where he goes. So that's why these are two of the finalists, because Miami is obviously appealing. Went to the NBA Finals, heat culture. Miami as a city is certainly a place players are interested in being. And then Phoenix, which, again, makes sense. Uh, I love the weather here. I think that it's just as appealing as Miami in a lot of ways. Um, And some others, maybe not. There's obviously no beach here. But then there's also Durant and Booker, the obvious draw to the city of Phoenix. And new head coach, I don't know how that plays in with Frank Vogel. I don't don't know how that relationship would be with Beal. I I honestly just don't know enough about... Uh, how he feels about that situation. And we're probably going to find out more about this story as the week goes on, unless something develops very, very quickly. So which would be the more likely destination for Beal, Miami versus Phoenix? I have to think that Miami has more options to trade to the Wizards, like draft picks. And I haven't looked at their draft pick haul, but I know that the Suns don't have a tradable first-round pick for Many years, thanks to the Kevin Durant deal. Not saying I regret it. I'm just saying that's the situation that they're in. Miami has probably more assets they could move. They probably have more room, uh, more wiggle room to say, okay, if not this, then maybe this and offer that to to a team like Washington. They can have more of a discussion for Phoenix. I feel like you're pretty limited. I feel like the conversation is, hey, we've got DeAndre Ayton. We've got Landry Shamit and we've got Chris Paul. Take your pick. And like we talked about earlier in the show, I think I think the appeal to Washington would be creating cap space. Moving off of the $47 million for Bradley Beal this year, his contract only goes up. I think it's 50 next, 53 the next, and then you know 57 in his last year as, as a player option. So you'd be moving off of that money, and getting Chris Paul would certainly open you up to a, a world of possibilities financially because you can – Wave him for the $15 million and try to bring him back, or you could wave him and stretch his contract and he goes away. Think about that for a second as an option. Is this a possibility that Chris Paul could be tossed around the league over the next couple of weeks? That Chris Paul could be traded by the Suns? Because he's currently under contract with the Phoenix Suns. And he could be moved to a team like Washington, let's say. And then they could wave and stretch him, which means they cannot re-sign him. And all of a sudden, Chris Paul hits the market and somebody else can go and sign him back for that league minimum. He could be moving around a little bit in the next couple of weeks. 
Uh, he's an interesting piece of this puzzle because if you're going to get Bradley Beal, I don't know how much DeAndre Ayton appeals to that team. A team that, what I know about the Wizards is Kyle Kuzma's been a good player lately, and Porzingis, he's there, right? I mean, those are two guys who are not traditional centers necessarily, but those are two bigger guys. I would think you would not want to add a DeAndre Ayton to that mix. That doesn't really add something that they don't already have necessarily. Certainly doesn't feel like the right fit. So I would think that the big prize in all of this for Washington would be Chris Paul and the ability to move around financially, do a full hard reset of the team. Now, you'll still have Kuzma in theory, and, and you know if they want to keep some of their players around, that's fine. But Washington would have the opportunity to essentially hit the reset button. That's what I think this deal would be for them. Because Sham Sharani specifically mentions the Suns twice. He says that Miami and Phoenix, in that order are finalists, but then he follows up and says the Suns have emerged as a serious threat for Beal, who holds a no-trade clause, basically saying he wants to go to Phoenix or Miami. And who wouldn't want to go to either of those places right now? Certainly both teams on the up-and-up. They've got star players. Adding Beal to the mix is is a no-brainer in a lot of ways. Offensively, one of the best players in the league. Signed a $250 million contract. What was this, a five-year, $251 million deal that he signed? Certainly a good player. Uh, and I, I would think that that would be a really good big three in a lot of ways offensively. Defensive fit, I don't know. I haven't looked at the metrics too much. We, we're, we've been reacting to this live on the air for the last 20 minutes or so, 30 minutes. Um, but I don't, again, I'm going to go back to this as my in, initial reaction to this possibility. If the Suns traded for another star player of Bradley Beal's caliber, that doesn't necessarily answer the questions we all had in the postseason about depth. I thought this offseason was going to be about them moving off of Aiton, moving off of Paul, creating options so they could go use their mid-level exception or or some of the other assets that uh, that would open up under the salary cap. Because right now they're pretty capped out. There's not a lot of room. If you wanted to run it back with Chris Paul and DeAndre Aiton, great, but then you're basically just trading out your minimum guys from last season for minimum guys next season. And that's not a big change. At that point, you're hoping that Frank Vogel just captures some magic that Monty Williams could not. And I'm not saying he can't do that. I'm hoping that he can capture some magic. But it appears the Suns are looking at the possibility, at the least, of making a dramatically different strategic move. Instead of adding depth, Bradley Beal would do the opposite. It would be leaning even more heavily on star players. And if you were able to add his $47 million next season under your cap number... I haven't done the math yet, but I assume that that leaves very little room to wiggle and to go and add depth and to go and add a center, assuming that DeAndre Ayton is either gone. Is there a possibility where DeAndre Ayton stays and they add Bradley Beal? And now you've got Booker and Beal and Durant and Ayton. I don't know. These are all very good questions that we're going to have to figure out under the salary cap. I'm going to put in a call to Bobby Marks probably. He knows all that stuff. He's a total nerd when it comes to the numbers. He gets it all very down to the... He knows. He knows exactly what fits. I don't know. My initial reaction is this isn't the strategy I thought the Suns would take. It doesn't mean it's the wrong one or even a bad idea. It's just not at all what I expected. Uh, We're going to get back to the biggest news of the day. That's the Bradley Beal potential trade, uh, Phoenix being a finalist for him. I do want to mention the Diamondbacks. They deserve our attention, our credit. I planned on doing a lot of Diamondbacks talk today um, about things that have been going on with the team. They're one of the hottest teams in baseball, if not the hottest team. They deserve our attention. They deserve the bump in attendance that they've gotten over the last couple of weeks. 
They deserve to be atop of the division right now, and maybe even the league here pretty soon. I think a lot of teams, a lot of people consider the Atlanta Braves a better team, or maybe you even consider the LA Dodgers a better team at this point, but the Diamondbacks are playing better. But I do have a couple of questions, and we'll dive into some of them here, and let's just spitball a little bit. One of my big concerns was when Carson Kelly came back, and I know he's a backup catcher at this point, but I've never seen a catcher come back when the guy who was filling in, Gabriel Moreno, who was traded for in the offseason, you gave up your second best, maybe even best player last season in Dalton Varsho to get Moreno as your future catcher. And Moreno came in and was amazing, especially defensively. I mean, he leads all of baseball and catchers caught stealing above average. That's a metric that basically says how many more guys you're going to catch on the base pass than the average catcher. He leads the league at six. Nobody else has six. He's got one of the best caught stealing throwing percentages. His arm strength is right on par with the rest of the top 10 guys. His pop time, I think, is 12th in the entire league. Defensively, Moreno's been fantastic. Oh, and oh, yeah, he's hitting 280. Let's see the absolute latest number 279. Excuse me. He's almost hitting 280. I mean, for how many years have the Diamondbacks been rolling out catchers where, yeah, they were pretty good defensively, but Jeff Mathis couldn't hit a lick? You knew you were going to get the one of the best defensive guys, one of the best pitch framers. He was going to call a great game. Uh, and I shouldn't just label this on Mathis. There's a lot of guys that they've rolled out catchers over the years where you weren't going to get much offensively. And that's a strategy that a lot of teams use, by the way. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, the Cleveland Guardians are in town this weekend. That's a team that's been doing that for a while. Because you look back on some of their guys, like I think of Roberto Perez for a handful of years there. Lots of defense, not a lot of offense. Um, you look at what they've done lately. Mike Zanino, who they just DFA'd yesterday, by the way. Um, defensive guy, not a lot of offense they got out of him. Austin Hedges. I mean, these are the kinds of guys that Gabriel Moreno solves both both parts of the equation. Offense, defense. The best defensive catcher in the league by certain metrics. And he's hitting to boot. And Carson Kelly comes back, and I was scared, honestly, when, when Tori Lovello said, we're going to do 50-50 for now. We're going to split the catching time 50-50. Why? 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 Wait, why? Now, I, I understand you don't want to run Gabby into the ground. You don't want to play him 90% of the time because, I mean, that's not good for anybody, especially at the catcher position. I mean, you don't want to play him every single game. I get that, but 50-50? For a guy in Carson Kelly who just missed significant amount of time, and to his credit, hit very well at the minor league level during his rehab assignment. Um, but he came back, struggled against the Phillies, who seemingly had a green light the entire series because they stole, what was it, seven bags in three games off of Carson Kelly. And he started three games in a row. And that's when I started to question, like, why are we doing this? No offense to Carson Kelly. I like him a lot as a backup catcher for Moreno, especially with what Moreno has shown. But again, has Moreno not shown you that he's the better guy? And I think he will be. I, I don't want to overreact because, again, we're talking about a backup catcher here. But I do expect that Gabby Moreno is going to play the majority of the time. Is it two-thirds of the time? Is it 75% of the time? I don't know the exact number. And I'm sure when Tori even said 50-50, I'm sure what he meant to say is, yeah, for now it's going to be a little bit 50-50 because we got to get Carson comfortable. we got to get him get him going at the major league level again because he's missed so much time, and then we'll fade back into a higher number. That's probably what he meant. 
But to say, like, we're going to split it 50-50 for now, it didn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You shouldn't be doing that when you have a better player. One who has clearly been better. I mean, I'm not just talking better on the team or the best in the organization. This is, defensively, Moreno is the best catcher in baseball this season. So he needs to be playing more than 50% of the time. A little bit later, we're going to dive into the Pavin-Smith argument. Uh, why is he still hitting leadoff against right-handed pitching? If you look at the numbers, which we'll go over a little bit later, doesn't make any sense. That should not be happening. All right, coming up next on Arizona Sports Saturday, more reaction to the big news today. Sham Sharania says the Suns might be one of two finalists for Bradley Beal? Really? That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Steve Zinsmeister with you on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch has the day off. Heck of a day to miss. This nugget from Sham Sharani at The Athletic. The Washington Wizards are in serious talks with the Miami Heat and the Phoenix Suns in a trade for Bradley Beal. So we're getting some more context from a, a story at The Athletic where uh, he kind of breaks down some of the, the aspects of this trade that we've been talking about, right? There's a lot of questions. There's uh, what is the the strategy here? Is it to add more star talent? That's not something the Suns were lacking last season. In fact, it was depth that they were lacking that kind of haunted them in the playoffs. So is this the right strategy? That's a big overarching question. Um, fit offensively and defensively, we could certainly get into if this starts to persist. Um, what do the Wizards want in return? Is it some sort of Chris Paul's contract? We can waive it, create space. Is that what they're looking for? Or are they more interested in a DeAndre Ayton slash Landry Shamit type of deal? Let's go through some of the article. I'm not going to read the article, uh, but I'm going to give you portions of the article that I think are relevant. Um, the Athletic certainly was kind of leaning this direction already. They had reported earlier in the week that the Wizards and Beal were working to find a trade partner. So this isn't a shocker that he's looking to be on the move. I think Bam Adebayo wore a Bradley Beal jersey during the playoffs at one point after a postgame interview or something. So I think they're friends. So I guess Miami makes sense in a lot of ways. Here's a little nugget. I don't know what this means, uh, if anything, but apparently Beal's agent, Mark Bartlestein, Bartlestein, I think it's Bartlestein, Close enough. is the father of the Suns CEO, Josh Bartlestein. So... I don't know if that helps at all. It's just a, a little interesting nugget to throw in there. Um, so all things considered, let's talk about the possible trade packages. Because like we know, the Suns don't have first-round picks to give up. They gave them away for Kevin Durant. So what do you have to offer? You have either a package of, I think, Aiton and Shamit, which is what is mentioned here. A combination of DeAndre Aiton and Landry Shamit for Beal would work financially. That's according to The Athletic. Or you can move Chris Paul in some way, and maybe that includes Shamit, or maybe even Paul and Aiton for all I know, and that would be more of a look to build for the future, create some salary cap space. What does Miami have to offer? Well, they have Jimmy Butler. They're trying to capitalize on his championship window, much like the Suns with Durant. Um, Tyler Hero, pretty good player that they could kind of build as a centerpiece to that trade. Some sort of combination of Duncan Robinson and Kyle Lowry. I, I kind of think Kyle Lowry is at the end of his career, so is that a contract move? I don't know. Um, they have the 18th pick in the draft coming up, which for a team that went to the finals, that's a pretty good pick to have. So Miami has some more pieces to work with to try to find a deal. I would I would think Miami would be the more 
malleable trade partner, if that makes sense. That's that kind of where I'm, that's kind of where I'm leading towards too. Yeah, but but what's funny is Shams mentioned in his tweet he mentioned Phoenix twice, specifically pointing out that the Suns have emerged as a serious threat for Bradley Beal. Am I what am I supposed to glean off of that, Trev? That that the Suns were mentioned twice in the tweet and Miami only once. Yeah, I just don't know what else we can offer them besides Aiton and Shamit and Chris Paul. But I wonder if they want to wave Chris Paul and Chris Paul comes back to Phoenix. I wonder if that's a possibility. So, okay, wait. So let's play that out again. Say that again. I wonder if if they include Chris Paul to the Wizards, to the Wizards, and they wave him, stretch him, wave and stretch him. Now they can't sign him. They can't sign him, but the Suns could re-sign him. Wow. Is, is so that let, possible? So let somebody else pay the money to cut Chris Paul, and then you just have to pay the veteran minimum. Yeah. I, I Listen, not an NBA uh, CBA expert here. Neither am I. I'm the first one to admit it, but that's a that's an interesting possibility to mention. I don't know if it's possible. I don't know if that's against the rules or what. Yeah, because I did see that he was interested in staying with the Suns. That's yeah, kind, you're that's, right. Yeah, that's kind of the way he could technically still stay with the Suns. Let's go back to that for a second. I'm glad you mentioned that. So... Cam Cox over at 12 News got an interview with Chris Paul this week and specifically asked him about his situation with the Suns and whether or not he was interested in staying in Phoenix. Here's what he told Cam Cox. Do you want to be here long term? Is this the place like you would like to continue being with a new new head coach? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't want to be anywhere else. That was never the case. You never heard me come out and say, I don't want to be here. You know what I mean? But I understand the business of this league, the dynamics or whatnot. So um, we'll we'll see. What I will say is I'm I'm so appreciative to uh, the Phoenix community, right? Everyone in the way everyone's been with me and my family. But uh, we'll see. And you know, I'm appreciative of Sun's ownership in this situation. Like just the fact that they're going after a Bradley Beal speaks to me that the desire to swing for the fences. It's something that we've we've come to know very quickly about Matt Ishbia as the new owner. The day he signed on, 12 hours later, Kevin Durant is a Phoenix Sun. Uh, they held a rally instead of a press conference for Kevin Durant. They sat him on a stool at midcourt and invited tens of thousands of people down to the arena. They swing for the fences. They go big. This is a Broadway production, the Phoenix Suns are. And so for that reason, I can appreciate them going after another star player. But the thing is, that's not what they lacked in the postseason. Would Bradley Beal have solved all the problems that the Suns had in the postseason? I, I don't think so, because like we talked about before, they just had, they lack they lack depth, and you need depth to win in the playoffs. And I would think mathematically, adding a forty-seven million dollar guy this coming season would make it increasingly difficult, incredibly difficult. They, they might have to sign me and you. I might have a shot. You might. You you have a better shot than I do. Let's be honest. Um, but no. I mean, to your point, how do you fill out the rest of the roster? Now, maybe Shamit's in this deal somewhere in a trade, and he makes about ten million next year. That's a guy that I think they probably regret the long term contract that they offered him. Oh, yeah, it's no not question. devastating. It's not like, oh my god, this is going to weigh us down for a year. It's not that, but it eliminate some of that space, some of that cushion between your star players and the salary cap number, right? Right. There's an area there that I'm going to call it the area you can work within. That's your workable area. And it's very small right now with where they're at. And I thought that if you moved an Aiton or you moved a Paul, you at least get some cheaper players, a, a handful of cheaper players that 
you can maintain that workable area and have more players in your rotation at the same time. This appears to be completely different. This is, oh yeah, we're going to move our expensive players and bring in a more expensive player. We're going to get less guys in return, but better players, and we're just going to roll with three elite-level players. And don't get me wrong, that has worked in the NBA. A it has, yeah, absolutely. The Heat did it. The Heat did it. Other teams have tried to do it and failed, too. Look at the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. The, they've tried it a couple different ways. Oh, yeah, tr- yeah, they did try it a couple times. I mean, the first time they tried it with, um, you know, like the Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett thing, they were basically just trying to copy what Boston did just that, like, yep. five years too late. Uh, they had to do a complete reset of that organization because of that decision. Then they do it again with Durant, Irving, James Harden, Harden there. Simmons. Si- uh, right, Simmons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just take one piece out and put another piece in. I mean, organizations have been devastated by trying to do that. And I think Brooklyn ended up all right in that whole thing, thanks to the deal with Mikel Bridges. Yeah, I think so, too. But there are some teams that try this whole thing of just let's go at it with three superstars and we'll figure the rest out. And it works out fine. And there's other organizations where it it could set you back for a long time. It is taking a risk. It's a huge risk. Now, one thing I actually would like about that trio, uh, aside from, like, that's like an automatic bucket every time you go down the court, uh, Devin Booker is still young. He's in his 20s. Bradley Beal is 30. He's under contract for, I think, three and a player option. So let's just say, like, four more years. And Kevin Durant is a little older. I think he's 35. So it's not adding another 35-year-old, which I think would certainly bring a lot of questions as to your championship window. But, like, Bradley Beal is the kind of guy you can build around for, like, four years. But this is also a guy who's had his health issues. He's not without injury risk. I mean, nobody really is without risk. But, I mean, to Devin Booker's point, he missed some games last year, but Devin Booker is a relatively healthy player and he's younger Bradley Beal's 30, has had some injury issues. He's relatively healthy. Are you really willing to put that much risk on guys? Because as we've uh, come to learn here in Phoenix, it's not necessarily what you do in the regular season. It's what you do in the postseason. And how can you get there healthy? That's what it's all about. And if you're trying to keep Devin, Bradley Beal, and Kevin Durant all healthy and just get to the postseason and then we'll figure it out then, who are you playing for... 82 games during the regular season. Sounds like a lot of 10-day contracts and G League guys getting called up. Kind of feels that way. This is There's so many interesting angles to this potential trade. We're going to cover them all here on Arizona Sports Saturday today. The biggest news of the day, Bradley Beal, possibly to the Phoenix Suns, according to The Athletic. We're going to dive more into some of those angles on that potential trade. A massive deal that that would be. Coming up next.